This podcast is produced by the National Association of Broadcasters and powered by Spreaker. Timely conversations, relevant information, helpful resources, all for broadcasters. Welcome to the NAB podcast. Here's Josh Miley. Happy holidays and welcome to the first of two December 2021 episodes of the NAB podcast powered by Spreaker. Today, you'll hear from Alan McLennan and Marjolaine Lombard, both from Atos, as we examine the cybersecurity risks facing broadcasters across the nation. This podcast will serve as a precursor to a larger discussion on the subject, taking place during a webinar NAB is launching on Wednesday, December 15th. This webinar, titled Tailoring Cybersecurity for Broadcast Media, will discuss why media companies need to develop a whole new area of competence in cybersecurity, a topic no longer relegated to IT departments, but now a full business priority. It will feature today's guests and will be moderated by NAB's Vice President of Engineering and Technology Policy, Kelly Williams. For more information, please visit education.nab.org and again, mark your calendars for December 15th. Our cybersecurity conversation today goes in a multitude of different places, and we're very lucky to have our guests, who are well-versed and have a wealth of experience working with media companies in the space. Alan McLennan is Atos's head of TMT M&E North America, working on market realization and global advancement in the media entertainment technology space for Atos clients. And Marjolaine Lombard, Atos's cybersecurity consultant, is well-versed in all things cybersecurity, in particular with a global perspective as she works out of Paris and has worked with many international companies. Pay attention for the overarching changes the past few years that have impacted digital security and for the detailed suggestions of what you can and should do at your station to help protect yourself against cyber threats. Well, Alan, welcome back to the NAB podcast and welcome to you, Marjo Lane, for your first interview with us. It's great to have you. How about we start here quickly, Marjo Lane, tell us about your role at Atos. Thank you, Joss, and hello, everyone. So my name is Marjolaine Lombard, and I have been working for Atos for over seven years now on the cybersecurity field. Uh, I am now cybersecurity product offering and marketing manager with a focus on the telecom and media industries at Atos. And I have also been working on several fields, uh, first on identity and access management product offering, then IoT security, and more recently on cloud and digital workplace security, which are, uh, I think, very important in the ever-changing world that we have today and for the specific uh, topics that we will address together here. Absolutely. It is, it's uber important in today's modern society. Alan, tell us, how do you work with Marjolaine? Um, Marjolaine and I go back and forth on many of the different types of uh, subjects as well as projects when it comes to the cybersecurity environment. I learn a lot from Marjolaine. And when it comes down to what they've been able to execute and some of the different types of projects that we have accomplished over the last year, which I look forward to talking about perhaps on this call, have been how we've been moving forward in identifying issues that exist within the media environment when it comes to security you know and that comes and that it covers a broad range of activity it's not just it it's 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 the security of the overall uh, distribution of content as well as consumption of content 
Yeah, and things have changed so much in, in the last seven years across all spectrums. I, I remember, you know, if we think back 2014, we still had Jay Leno and David Letterman on Late Night. And now we've got just this this kaleidoscope of different people within there. Tell me how, biz, how the business environment has changed since, we'll say then, for companies over the last few years. And then that'll kind of lead us into our discussion on how uh, securities have changed. And, and Alan, we can start with you and then go to Marjolaine. Sure, but I'm going to kind of take it where you where you kind of set the um, the stake, and that is that long ago, seven eight years ago, we were talking about DRM, digital rights management, you know, and and you know that was a big buzz. How do you secure your content? How do you secure your distribution? You know, that's now become just kind of while it's still important, it is it is not even touching the requirements and the the capability of the. Um, the hackers and the um, pirates that are out in the market. So how business has changed is that everything now is digital. Everything now is being able to be um, mounted and being able to be accessed right from any computer in anyone's home because of the networks in and of themselves being at such a high level of efficiencies. And we're able to now really kind of disrupt many of the models, the business models and the business opportunity of business organizations that require rely on the kinds of security that are critical within their networks and in their, their organizations. I mean, everybody in this call is all familiar with, you know, um, having to um, double enter their password or being able to have dual authentication. You know, that's where we're at. And you go in once, they've got you. You go in twice, you're lucky you get past it. That also, the way the business is changed is just viewing behavior. Um, the want of having programming available to new select kinds of communities have gotten to be so great that there's a high level of authentication that has to take place from a simple newscast to a sporting event. Because if it's not authenticated and it's not secured, it can be picked up and rebroadcast. I mean, remember the days when people would like talk about sneaking into the theaters with their cam corners and, you know, bootlegging a, a movie. We're well past that. You know, now, now it's bootlegged right offline, right, right within the environment itself is being picked up. And that in and of itself, that little bit, that, that content now has to be able to be secured, authenticated for use, and then be able then to be distributed. Without that, we're in a very, very um, trialing area um, as far as the erosion of the overall um, business model that we have, that's just media. You know, we could we could talk about the business how business is being crippled by different forms of hacking, different forms of um, interaction. But I'm going to keep us focused on NAB and for what's important from the broadcasters and the critical nature of, of securing their content for the right audiences that they want to reach. Yeah, we're certainly just a, a small portion of, of the world that needs to cover itself with cybersecurity. Marjolaine, can you can you build off that a little bit? And I'm sure, you know, if I think seven, eight years ago to now, probably, you know, cloud services and where we store our, our, our information is probably completely different. Yeah, definitely. And um, actually, so you, you are mentioning cloud. This is uh, some areas that has evolved so much in the media industry. 
there actually have been a lot of emerging technology and a lot of startups driving them and, and media companies they are always actually seeking to innovate and especially because well we are in a very uh, with a customer-centric driven environment so you have to be disruptive you have to be uh, flexible and able to adapt quite quickly so we saw actually the use of um, i would say artificial intelligence for instance uh, for video analytics uh, or for the creation of uh, subtitles for videos we saw so the use of cloud to streamline uh, broadcast operation and especially uh, actually um, there is a closer look i would say on the technological infrastructure and how it evolved because uh, especially with uh, the pandemic uh, media organization needed to be able to handle, uh, I would say, the um, rise in uh, streaming demand while also maintaining cost. And, and in this area, cloud is especially more important, but it comes, of course, with its own vulnerabilities. And another point that uh, I think we saw, well, especially with the pandemic, is, um, I would say, the fact that productions uh, were also physically challenged and uh, the creation and the processing of new content had to be done uh, remotely, not necessarily entirely, but mostly remotely. And as a result, these cloud services have been adopted massively to implement more digital and collaborative workplace. So there is no surprise that uh, media productions uh, will continue to be transformed. And much of that change will be enabled by cloud technologies and the security challenges that come with it. Yeah, no longer do we have to all be located in one place. I mean, as we have this conversation, we've got uh, Alan out on the West Coast, Marjolaine, you're in France, I'm on the East Coast of America. We're all spread about. And, and with that comes, you know, option and opportunity for, for hackers because we're at different locations, all with probably, you know, different levels of security there. So let's transition and talk about the threat landscape as it is for media companies right now and how that's changed over the last couple of years. I guess, Marjolaine, we'll have you jump in first and did the mm -hmm. pandemic accelerate anything? Obviously, I think the, the broader public knows more about it now because we've seen stories of some large things that have happened with it. Yeah, definitely. And I, actually, I start by saying that um, I would say uh, the media and the entertainment business, um, as it plays such an important role today in shaping public opinion, national perspective, etc., it has become really a prime target for cyber threat actors. Uh, also, nation-state-sponsored uh, attacks, uh, activists that are looking for attention, and it went uh, much more viral during uh, the pandemic. Um, and actually, there is also the fact that media companies have a lot of, I would say, uh, unprocessed data, uh, information, sources that they need to protect, and that also makes them an attractive target. So often what we see is that threat actors uh, are actually attempting to exfiltrate such content or even destroy it actually in order to expose or discourage a specific publications or just actually simply assess what the organization knows about a subject or identify its sources and in terms of threats uh, we saw really different threats uh, first uh, i would say that um, also new threats emerge every day we see still see a lot of conventional attacks like phishing, social engineering, malware, ransomware, all of this will always be on play. And cyber criminals are always innovating and improving these attacks. They are leveraging uh, new technologies for one big reason, it's that it still works. 
And if we take the example of ransomware, uh, attackers continue to identify and compromise uh, high value targets. They increase the ransom value substantially. And uh, the media industry, which is relying more and more on broadcast control systems, for instance, uh, can specifically be at risk here. Uh, to give you an example, in uh, 2021, our researchers have uh, identified at least seven ransomware uh, variants that were targeting specifically industrial control systems environments. And uh, for a recent example, uh, that's what happened with uh, Canon in uh, August 2020, uh, where the company was attacked by Maze uh, ransomware and threat actors stole data from uh, the company servers. Uh, the total amount of stolen data was around 10 terabytes, so that's... <laughs> That's a lot. That's huge. And uh, yeah, definitely. It included yeah, uh, names, uh, social security numbers, date of birth, uh, driver's licenses numbers, bank accounts, electronic signature, actually everything that you need for identity fraud. So um, protections, uh, well, must, I would say, rely afterwards on, on you know, data loss prevention technology, but that's not the only thing. You need to look for uh, advanced detection measure, etc. But I'll come back maybe to that later, because on other type of threats that we can see, uh, especially in 2021, uh, that was mediatized a lot. These are the supply chain attacks uh, that actually we are uh, we are watching quite closely within Atos. Uh, they are of course not new, huh? but they are growing in volume, in impact, in a number of organizations that can be compromised. Uh, we saw actually media companies uh, that, um, it, it's that they are, I would say, working with a lot of uh, organizations, contractors, suppliers, etc. So a lot of third party for the content production and cyber criminals are uh, targeting these third parties providers to gain a foothold uh, in the larger organizations that they serve. That's what we saw with SolarWinds in the beginning of the year. Um, and we saw that cyber criminals are not only targeting small vendors, but they can potentially break into networks of every organization that a provider uh, services. Yeah, it's been it's been across the board, small company, large company. I'm, I'm going to underline, you know, what you said there about third party providers, because I think that's something people may not think about as this all goes together. Hopefully their IT department does, but managers may not. And also just, you know, what a time to be a reporter, just the emails that come in having to, you know, if you're looking for tips and it looks legitimate, you still have to take a minute and say, let me make sure throughout all this before I click it, I'm not letting ransomware in. So Alan, I want you to, to build on or just if there's anything you want to add there and then, you know, take it to the other side of stuff. Now that we know the threat landscape, you know, how are media companies been responding to these security issues? You know, one of the things that Marjolaine brought up was how how serious Atos takes us. Uh, we have been involved in many different types of executions at this time. And, you know, it's, it's, we're the number two cybersecurity company in the world. You know, because we're working with different types of organizations to under, understand how and where there are issues. And let me give you an, let me give you a kind of a specific example. Uh, it was just last year, um, the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami wanted to they they had the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl is a very big deal. And a lot of times, you don't really think about that much um, challenges that the hackers may actually come into the stadium 
you know, and mount the different networks that are um, being used within that environment. But they came to us, you know, and within three weeks, we were able to deploy an overall security platform that helped them um, secure both the fans as well as uh, the overall stadium as a whole. You know, that day on Super Bowl, they had over 700 intrusions to try to mount the system. You know, and they 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 thwart we thwarted that, and we're able to put them in a position that it secured the fans. You know, the fans to marginally saying, you know, their information is attached to their ticket, their information, their credit card, their names, and all of that just kind of moves back. Well, that's the same type of situation where we're starting to see in broadcasting, you know, fan engagement. Um, the need to secure a stadiums like the Hard Rock um, are becoming more and more paramount because the level of participation that the fans have literally at the stadium with their cameras that are in their phones, in their sharing of content, in their being able to serve that content, in some cases with the broadcasters that are capturing that content and video, all of that is floating if I may use a non-technical term, you know, out there, you know, in, in, in the course of that, that's easily grabbed. And so being able to have this kind of security involved and implemented was something that we stepped into. The Hard Rock, um, the Hard Rock Stadium is one of the most preeminent examples of how to secure stadiums. And that's what we're finding today, because as we move into live remote production, which every stadium is, pick your number, 50,000 people, 60,000 people, and all of them are easily hacked. And those are big issues when it comes to that kind of intrusion. On the other side, from a broadcasting standpoint, is the protection of the content in and of itself. So that is something that we have taken great care in understanding and being able to implement overall solutions. And yes, there are some key organizations that are throughout the world that we, we implement. We have an organization that we recently acquired named Ipsotech that has this facial recognition and eye retina recognition that allows for security um, uh, to become even more um, um, engaged and ingrained into the overall stream in and of itself. Things that are kind of creepy in some ways as far as you know, they know where and how those particular individuals are, are tra tracing, um, tracing their steps through whatever process it might be, whether it's at a stadium, but also within airports, convention centers, these kinds of areas are now being very securely and confidentially and privately managed when it comes to being secure, because we just don't know. The level of threats that are currently coming up within like for for like the, the Arab Cup or within World Cup or within um, the Olympics, you know, our methodology and, um, and how we've proven this over years of being related to the Olympics has really allowed us to have an understanding on how this dynamic takes place on many different levels, not just in broadcast, but also in securing organizations and securing um, individuals as they move forward in the media environment. Well, I'll tell you what, the Olympics would be a, a conversation for another day, and thankfully it comes up every couple of years, so we'll we'll get into that eventually. I want to do a direct follow-up, Alan, to something you said, because I think it would be a relevant question if I'm a manager listening to ask, and that is, 
if I if my radio station or television station does you know consist of remotes at a certain venue like if I'm a radio station and we go do concerts at venue X what should I be asking them to ensure that venue is cyber secure since I might have a couple thousand of my listeners who I've driven there to come see you know whoever the performer is with their phones and doing whatever or is there something I as a station should be doing to even be ahead of that beyond just putting the onus all on the venue. In this particular case of what you just said, if it's a station, if it's an individual that's doing just a pod broadcast, you know, there's there's little that can be done except for the common security methods that are existing with it. If it's a station, you need to work with some organizations that have what I mentioned before, uh, the technology that can authenticate the broadcast in and of itself. So it basically mounts your broadcast and if someone doesn't have uh, rights to be able to replay that broadcast, then they can't. And that, that's rather key. Within your system, um, that, there are many different components that within the radio broadcasting system that you can, you can implement. Um, and that's from watermarking, to, you know, the debate, basically securing your content that way. But at this time, the biggest question is kind of the, the one that most people don't really ask is who gets to replay what you just recorded? Who, who, who gets ownership of what your rights are for what you've presented? Typically, everybody thinks that that's the person. It's not the case. As soon as you put it out, it is open. So you need to have a particular level of security that's placed on it that if somebody grabs it and tries to rebroadcast it, it's one thing for an individual listener to hear it. That's cool. That, that's all well and good, but <clears throat> there's many out there that will capture that kind of broadcast or that coverage and, and replicate it on their newscasts, on their individual kinds of streams. And that's where you want to have the, the, the authentication uh, software um, placed on top of it. All right. And Marjolaine, I want to bring you back in and, and talk about corrective actions that our media companies can take to mitigate security threats as they, they might come about. You know, just some, some broad-based examples of what they should be thinking about making sure they're doing or looking at to a, a company like Atos to help them do. Yeah, of course. Um, actually, so I would say that um, first, uh, the important thing is uh, to understand on the production chain where are the security issues? And what I mean by that, we often heard about when you secure um, a company, content, etc., you often heard of confidentiality, integrity, and availability. And what we saw is that uh, on the broadcast production chain, well, this the level of security that we need to have, on, depending on where we are, will very uh, vary. And actually, the security mechanisms that go with them will vary as well. So for confidentiality, typically uh, it is more important when you are in the early stage of the production rather than when you are on the distribution phase to give you this example. So uh, at the early uh, stage, you need to ensure that you are able to manage the accesses uh, quite for all your, uh, I would say, uh, stakeholders, the contractors, the suppliers, your own employees, everything that is, everyone that is working on sets. And of course, integrity, integrity and availability are very important in the sense that, well, once your content is unavailable, you don't earn any money. So uh, that's something that we need to ensure. So to, uh, to have these corrective actions, one of the, 
I would say the first step is to ensure that you have a solid security foundation that is covering the production end to end, including people, processes, and technologies. So, of course, you can rely, uh, I would say, on some of the best practices that come uh, from the IT world. So you can think uh, of the NIST cybersecurity framework, for instance, but they are also uh, dedicated broadcast media cybersecurity standards that can be good to explore. So uh, we can think of uh, the CDSA for the content protection and security standard. Uh, you can think of the DPP for uh, that is committed to security program. And there are also a lot of uh, specific recommendations on cybersecurity concerns in media. And once that you have this baseline, uh, uh, in place, you need to then strengthen the security controls based on the proper risk assessments of uh, your broadcast media assets and address uh, each of them consistently, uh, prior prioritize them, etc. And afterwards, then you need to think of, well, how do you do the prevention and the protection, how to implement it? So, uh, so you uh, have, for instance, uh, building a good cybersecurity culture, especially in the case of phishing that we saw a lot uh, during the pandemic. So uh, how do you train uh, your employees to uh, actually detect something that is uh, suspicious? You have also, of course, the part about securing the extended enterprise. So the, the perimeter that is vanishing more and more today. So how do you ensure that only the right people can access the content? Uh, or can, you, can you ensure that data remains encrypted at all time in transit or in motions? So you have solutions for data loss prevention that are very important in media to identify if there is a leakage or not and stop it before it happens, actually. And uh, everything that is also around. So uh, Alan was mentioning DRM solutions at the beginning. This is, of course, still uh, up to date, but it needs to be complemented with other technologies, uh, e-transaction security, ensuring privacy, etc. And then uh, you have to think of detection and remediation because often protection isn't enough. So, uh, uh, of course, when you face uh, determined attackers, they will always find a breach. Uh, to the most secure oh. systems, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you have oh. actually, uh, yeah, I was mentioning phishing. <laughs> That's often how it happens. Uh, it's almost impossible sometimes to prevent uh, with uh, an account that is breached. And here, so you put in place proactive detection, 24-7 monitoring, surveillance, uh, and you uh, can also think actually of cyber insurance as well. So. When it happens, or you cover the cost of a, of a cyber incident happening, and all this kind of thing, and maybe just to 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 uh, I would say to conclude uh, uh, in the sense of uh, I would say exploring further strategy, I think a, a key question is about um, I would say what does the future hold for media companies? Because you need to be prepared. Uh, because the cyber attackers will not wait for you to, uh, I would say, raise the, the right uh, bar to the security strategy. So uh, what we need to think is in this that, well, we have the growth of 5G, for instance. You have the conversion of physical and digital worlds. You have the fact that data is migrating to the edge. All of this needs to be secure because otherwise the digital transformation of companies will fail. Um, and building a fortress is, I would say, not enough anymore. Uh, you have, for instance, APIs that we did not mention, but that are 
one of the most important points of failures today. And uh, as a result, the new security perimeter must be based on identities, uh, managing their rights, the people, the applications, the, ma the machines. And at the same time, uh, we are creating within Atos actually uh, disruptive cybersecurity innovations that will that can change the way security uh, is delivered and deployed. So that means, for instance, investing in artificial intelligence for digital security to shift left uh, detection and response, and also protection controls uh, to ensure that you remain compliant uh, at all times. That's some areas to explore. And I know it is not easy to navigate among all of these technologies, you often wonder which one to choose uh, and um, and actually generally asking how to enhance the cybersecurity posture of media organization. And just, I would say a bit of advertisement, but uh, I really encourage you to, to consult the Atos Cyber Tech Radar that we have recently published. Actually, it's uh, a document that our security experts have been creating, tracking over uh, more than 100 cybersecurity technology, uh, technological trends that are shaping the industry uh, as we speak. And we build this radar around eight uh, major uh, cybersecurity domains because we believe these are the most critical today. And uh, these are, for instance, so identity and access management that I mentioned, but also endpoint and mobile security, network security, application security, cloud security, data security. So that's a lot that we cover here. Alan, we are we're we're pretty much at time, but this is obviously we've just scratched the surface, which is why we've got a webinar coming up with both you and Marjolaine and uh, our. Uh, one of our VPs in our technology department, Kelly Williams, who uh, worked on the NIST framework a little bit, making sure um, certain things were there for broadcasters. What can you tell us about the conversation we'll be having on video with Kelly here coming up in a little bit? What Marjolaine was saying, it sounds incredibly daunting. <laughs> there, 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 there's a lot of things to try to pull together. And, you know, pretty much anybody, even the most sophisticated technologists and scientists would just you know, kind of figure out, even though they feel that they're experts, you know, and understanding this. But this is where we as an organization with Atos really look at the importance of um, AI, you know, um, by being able to have AI lay on top of all the elements that Marjolaine just mentioned, it can help refine much of the decision-making that are still needed by, by individuals and by people to help move forward and appropriately and accurately uh, address, you know, these kinds of complications that uh, Marjolaine so clearly and thoroughly um, brought to the table here for this discussion. In our, in our webinar coming up, I think we're going to drill into that a little bit. Now, how does that work? You know, how the impact of AI, and it's not like the catch-all phrase AI and all the elements, it is really a management um, layer that allows for an assemblance of information to help provide information for decisions. And those decisions can go into different levels, but where we're at, where we're at as broadcasters, we need to have this kind of assistance and these flags that take place when something inappropriate is happening. And that's what we can provide those kinds of solutions. And there's a lot of companies out there. It just happens to be that we're um, 
you know, one of the leaders in being able to provide this with our different types of technologies and services as being, you know, for example, the number one systems integrator within the UK. In the UK, you know, we looked at this, you know, the building out of the BBC Cardiff Center, which is the most connected building in the world, from what we're told from a broadcast standpoint. You know, these kinds of needs we've been working at and towards. And so in our webinar, I hope we're going to be able to drill into that a little bit more. And I really look forward to having our audience and us back together again to kind of twist the key a little bit and find find some solutions to share with our audience. Well, we are excited to to have you and it was great to have this conversation. So Alan and Marjolaine, thank you so much uh, for chatting with me and everybody can be seeing you here uh, very soon as we uh, debut that webinar. Thanks guys. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Our thanks at NAB go out to Alan and Marjolaine for sharing their time and expertise today. To discover the multitude of ways Atos can help your business, visit atos.net after the podcast. Time is almost up, but be sure to visit Broadcast Education, NAB's home for broadcaster education. NAB members receive significant discounts and exclusive content when they visit Broadcast Education at education.nab.org. Finally, bookmark and visit the We Are Broadcasters site found at wearebroadcasters.com. The site houses various resources for broadcasters looking for ways to educate elected officials on the impact local broadcasters have in their communities and across the nation. Again, that's wearebroadcasters.com. That's all for today. Please subscribe and follow the NAB podcast using your favorite podcast app. We'll be back with our season finale in just a few short days. Until then, enjoy the holiday season and shop at the businesses advertising on your stations. For NAB, I'm Josh Miley. Thank you for listening to the NAB podcast powered by Spreaker.